I wonder this morning, um, have you ever had those moments? Have you had that one of those moments where you find yourself in the middle of something and you think, can I really trust what's about to happen? You know what I mean? You find yourself in the middle of something going, whoa, something's about to happen here. Can I really trust this? I have that feeling. I have that feeling just a little bit. I have that feeling a little bit every time I jump into a car in Thailand. Uh, we've talked about this before and there's some people in the room who've been to Thailand and they're nodding already. They know where this is going. And I want to say out loud, I love Thailand. I love Thai people. I love the culture. But I want to tell you, the traffic in Thailand is just nuts. It is beyond nuts. Road rules in Thailand are really more like road suggestions. Um, uh, traffic lights are a bit more like guidelines. You know, you can obey them if you feel like it, if you want to. Speed limits are a bit more like a, you know, an FYI sort of thing on the side of the road. Um, Seatbelts are optional. Uh, in fact, in most cars in Thailand, the back seats of the cars don't even have seatbelts fitted to them. So you couldn't even wear a seatbelt even if you wanted to. Um, and on top of that, I think you do technically, but in reality, you don't actually need a driver's license to drive in Thailand. And lots of people drive because they jumped into a car when they were a teenager and uh, their dad taught them and now they drive. And that would just sort of make sense in a way, you know, get into a car, dad taught you how to drive and now you can drive a car. It takes a certain amount of faith, I guess is what I'm saying. It takes a certain amount of faith to get into a car in Thailand and to trust that this thing's going to be okay. We're in a series that we're calling On Purpose. We're looking at who we are, where we're going to go, the sort of people that we want to be as Tide Church. We began talking about our destination as a church. Um, we summarised that destination by saying, as a church, as a people, we want to be people who are devoted to Jesus. We're living our lives following Jesus' example and teaching wherever we are, no matter the cost. We said that's where we're going. That's where this church is going. And we talked about what it's going to look like on the way there, how we're going to get there. We said that you will see along the way there, you will see three key things for us. We'll provide an opportunity for people to experience Jesus through worship, communion and community. We'll focus on clear, practical Bible teaching and we'll empower people to serve our community and our world. And we spent the rest of the series talking about the kind of people that we want to be along the way. Because we've said, and we say this every week, that church isn't an organisation, church isn't a building, it's a people. And so if someone says to you, what's tired church like? Um, the answer is really, well, what are we like as people? Because we are tired church. So the answer to what is tired church like is, who are we? How do we live? What do we do? What do we say? That's what tired church is like. And so we've talked about in this, in this process, in this series, we've talked about this series for us to be a church of people who love people, really deeply love people, love all people. We've talked about uh, being a people who are focused on grace, who live abundantly and generously, uh, people who show extravagant hospitality. Last week we talked about being people who are filled with joy. And the last thing we're going to talk about in this series today is being people who walk by faith. We want to, in this church, be people who walk by faith. Now, I want to acknowledge up front that faith is a complicated word for Christians. 
It's a complicated word because there's actually so many different ideas and understandings that we have when we use the word faith. Like sometimes when someone says faith in a Christian context, they use it as a noun just to say like, I'm part of the Christian faith. You know, I've got an Indian friend. He's a part of the Hindu faith. So we just use it as a noun like that. Sometimes uh, we use faith uh, to mean the word belief, like it's a synonym with the word belief. We say, you know, are you a person of faith? Yeah, I'm a person of faith. And what we mean is, I believe that there's a God. But most often, when the writers of the Bible use the word faith, they're talking about the ability to believe that God can act, and usually that God can act In the supernatural. Faith is the ability to believe that God can do the impossible, that God can intervene in our world, that God can intervene in our individual lives and in our families and at school and at work, and that God can come and do something amazing, often something otherwise impossible. And that's the kind of faith I want to talk about today. Because historically, historically, Christians have believed in the impossible. Christians have believed that God can do the impossible. I mean, we're here today because we believe that one man died and after three days rose again. That's pretty impossible when you think about it, isn't it? We're a people who believe that God can hear our prayers. That somehow you can be driving in the car, you can be sitting in your bedroom, uh, you can mutter something quietly under your breath at a school desk and that there is a God out there somewhere in the universe who can hear that prayer. That sounds pretty impossible, doesn't it? In fact, some people said even believing that there is a God in the first place, even believing that there's anything divine out there, that there's anything to this world beyond what we can touch and see and taste and feel, that even that, that idea at all is impossible. But Christians have always believed in the impossible. But the problem for lots of us, and I'm just trying to be honest here, is that in our 21st century world, where science and facts and data rule the way that we think about the world, where we we tend to only believe, where we're taught to only believe what we can touch and what we can see and what we can test and what we can prove. The truth is that that kind of faith, the kind of faith we're talking about today, has actually become a kind of awkward topic for some people and even for some people inside the church. I mean, there's some of us, and maybe some of us here today, we want to believe. You know, in our minds, we want to believe. But, but then there's a logical, there's a rational part of us that says, but that's dumb to believe that that stuff can happen, you know? We want to believe, but what would my friends say? I want to believe, but what if what I believe in then doesn't happen? You know, what if I believe for something impossible to happen and that impossible thing doesn't happen, then what do I believe? And so many Christians live lives saying they have faith, saying they believe in faith, saying they believe the impossible, but deep down inside them, the truth is that they're not really that sure. If you search for the word faith in the Bible, 
It appears over 1,200 times. It's something the writers of the Bible talk about a lot. From the very early pages to the very end, the idea of faith occurs a lot. And one of the most uh, sort of popular or memorable uh, um, uh, mentions of the word faith comes in Hebrews chapter 11. It's actually where the writer defines what faith is. You might have heard this before, but I'll read it to you. It's Hebrews 11 verse 1 and it goes like this. The writer says, now faith. Now faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. Faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. The writer is saying that faith is the ability to be sure about something that we can't see. Faith is an assurance or a certainty. In other translations of that verse, it uses words like conviction, evidence, proof, reality, substance. The writer is saying that, that, that faith, faith isn't a wish. It's not a hope. It's not a dream. It's not a maybe. Faith isn't sort of, fingers crossed, let's have a go. That's not faith. That's wishful thinking. Faith is a certainty. Faith is an assurance. Faith is an absolute conviction in those things that we hope for, those things that we do not see. And the obvious question for many of us is, well, how do you get that kind of faith? How do you move from the kind of scepticism, the kind of I'm not so sure that this stuff's real? How do you move into that kind of living? How do you live with that kind of faith? Because I hope God will transform my life. I wish God would speak into my future. Maybe God can act. But how do I move from there to certainty, to assurance, and to conviction. And the good news I want to share with you today is that it doesn't require you to sort of magically start believing harder. It doesn't come from uh, ignoring the facts. You know, some people think that they have this kind of faith. You've got to sort of not believe in science and, you know, check your brain in at the door and ignore all the evidence around you. It's got nothing to do with that. In fact, the writer of Hebrews... The writer of Hebrews would say it's almost the exact opposite of that kind of belief. Because the writer of Hebrews would say that bold and courageous and powerful faith, the kind of faith that we read about in the Bible, is exactly based on evidence and proof. The bold, courageous, powerful faith that we read in the Bible is based on our past experience, on things that have actually happened, things that we've touched and tasted and seen, that it's based on our past experience and it's based on the character of God. Faith for a Christian isn't a maybe, it's not a wish, it's not a hope. It's based on the certainty of our past experience and it's based on the trustworthy, rock-solid character of the God that we believe in. Christian faith is based on our past experience. Um, let me uh, imagine my car breaks down and I don't know how to fix it. Now, if you know anything about me and cars, that's not a very hard thing to imagine. I don't know too much about fixing cars. Imagine my car breaks down, I don't know how to fix it. My neighbour comes to me and tells me that she can fix the car. I think maybe she's right. 
Maybe she's not. If my friend tells me that he can fix the car, I might hope that he's right. But if Dave comes to me and says that he can fix my car, I'm certain that Dave can fix my car. Do you know why? Because Dave's my mechanic. Dave's a professional mechanic. He's been the mechanic for my family and for my cars for, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years or something. So if Dave says he can fix my car, I've got an assurance that Dave's right. I'm certain that Dave's right because I've got past experience. I've presented other problems to Dave in the past and he's looked at it and listened to it and said, yeah, I can fix that. It's my past experience that gives me the certainty that Dave can fix my problem in the present. Does that make sense? Faith isn't a blind, uneducated guess. It's not a wish or a hope. It's the certainty that comes with believing and knowing that God's done something in the past and believing that he can do that thing again in the present and in the future. It's not a wish and a hope. It's based on the evidence that comes from our past experience and the experience of other people. Faith is a certainty based on our past experience, but it's also based on the character and the trustworthiness of God. So let's say that uh, I don't speak to Dave, but I do speak to my neighbour about fixing the car. And my neighbour says, well, I don't know too much about cars and I can't fix it. But my neighbour, I consider to be a trustworthy person. And so if my neighbour says to me, look, I don't really know how to fix it, but I've got a friend who knows how to fix cars. And I'll introduce you to my friend and he'll fix the car for you. I have a certainty... I have at least a greater certainty that my neighbour's friend could fix my car. Why? Because I trust my neighbour. Does that make sense? So if I trust my neighbour and he says, well, I can't do it, but I've, got, but I've got a friend who can, I've got more certainty, I've got a greater assurance that my car will get fixed because I trust my friend. That's what faith is. Faith is believing that God can do something in the now because we believe his character. Because we believe that God is trustworthy, that God will keep his promises and that God will do what he says he will do. Faith is based on knowing that our God is good. It's based on knowing that our God is faithful, that our God keeps his word, that he is generous and kind and loving. That's the kind of faith that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. It's a rational, reasonable decision based on what we know about God, based on what he's done in the past and based on his character, the character that we know about who he is. We look at what God's done in the past. We listen to what God's done in the lives of other people in the past and we know the character of God. And from that, a Christian person, that's how a Christian person gets a certainty and assurance and a conviction that God is able, that our God can do the impossible, that our God is not dead, 
that our God is not just an idea in our heads, he's not weak, he's not powerless, that we believe in a God that is alive. We believe in a God that is active and a God that is able, a God that still acts in this generation, a God that is still transforming lives, that is still turning people's lives around, a God that still heals, a God that still breaks down barriers, a God that still changes the future. That's the kind of God that we believe in. That's the substance of faith. And it comes because we've seen God do that in the past and we believe he can do it again. That's what creates in a Christian person a deep conviction, an assurance inside of us that our God is able. We've seen him do it in the past and we believe he can do it again. The writer of Hebrews goes on to underline this point. By giving us examples, lots and lots of examples of people who have lived by faith and how things worked out for them. Uh, the verse I read to you was Hebrews 11, chapter 1. The entire rest of Hebrews 11 is full of name after name, excuse me, after name of people in the history of the Bible, in the history of God's people and the things that God has done through them. Verse 4 says, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch. Verse 7, by faith, Noah. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to mention Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab. Verse 32, he actually says, time will not allow me to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. He's actually saying, like, you know what, there's so many examples of this kind of faith. There's so many examples of God's faithfulness. There's so many examples of these people who've had this conviction of live by faith. I can't even tell you about them all. And maybe you might not know all of those names. Some of those names you might have vaguely heard somewhere in, in Sunday school or you know, someone mentioned them in a Bible story. You don't know them all. But I want to tell you, if you were a Jew living 2,000 years ago, you knew every one of those names. Those names, they were your heroes. They were the bedtime stories that your parents told you about at night. They were the things that you learnt in school. They were the names that, that people talked about as, as heroes and almost the way we now talk about celebrities. And the writer's saying... Every one of those people, every one of those people that you know their life story, you know the things that they did and the amazing things that they achieved, every one of those people did so living by faith. Every one of those people acted with certainty when their future was uncertain. Every one of those people acted with assurance even when other people around them weren't sure about what was going on. Every one of those people acted with conviction even when others were wavering and, oh, I don't know. And here's the point that I want to, you to see today is that every one of those people acted. Faith begins with reason. It begins with the decision we make in our mind. It begins with us with thinking about and understanding the things that God's done in the past and his character. Faith begins with reason. But I want you to hear this. Faith always ends with action. 
faith isn't just a belief. Faith isn't just something that happens in our mind. Faith drives action. Christian faith drives people to do things. Go home and read uh, Hebrews 11. Every one of those verses, those, those little stories, those examples, is someone doing something because of their faith. Someone believed in God, therefore they did. Therefore they took action. I have the faith to give generously even when my bank balance is low. I have faith to, to, to share my belief in Jesus even if I'm nervous about what people might say to me. I have faith to forgive even when other people around me are telling me that, uh, uh, that resentment or unforgiveness or even revenge is a better thing to do. I have faith to keep reading my Bible every day even when sometimes you know, it, it's boring or sometimes I don't understand it. I have faith to pray for healing in the life of a friend even when they're cynical about it they think, oh, this thing won't work. Christian faith always drives action. Christian faith makes us do something. We have a certainty about who God is and it's that certainty in faith that drives us to do stuff, to take action in our lives. And Jesus says, you know, even the smallest amount of faith, if you put even the smallest amount of faith into action, you will see God do amazing things through your life. Jesus says, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you've seen mustard seed, those tiny little, tiny little balls you find in the middle of mustard, they're mustard seeds. And Jesus says, even if you've got faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And I want to tell you, that's the kind of faith that we want people to have here at Tide Church. We want to be people whose lives, whose actions, the things that we do are driven by faith. When people around us are frozen by fear, and man, haven't we seen that in the last year or so, when people around us are frozen by fear, we want to be people who step out in faith. When, when people around us are worried about what others might think, we want to be people who speak up in faith. When people around us are centred on their own problems, you know, they're just totally consumed with everything that's going on in their mind and in their world, we want to be people who by faith will put others first. When people around us are living... A uh, selfish, self-centered, me-first life. What can I get out of life? What's life got to give me? We want to be people who live generously and abundantly. That's the kind of life that Jesus taught. That's the kind of life that the early Christians lived. And I guess I'm saying that's the kind of life that we want to live today. We want to be a church of people, no matter how small we are, no matter how big we ever get. We want to be a church of people who believe that God can do the impossible. We want to be a church of people who are, whose actions are driven by our faith in God. And that's the invitation, if you like, that we're making today. 
It's the, the, the invitation at Tide is to be a part of that kind of community, to be part of a group of people who will, who will trust and who will take a risk and who will have a go at living with that kind of faith and just seeing what God might do. Being a part of a community of people who will look at what God's done in the past and believe he can do it again. To look what God's done in the past of others. To hear the stories, to, to share with one another the stories and go, you know what? Well, if God did that for him, then God can do that for me. That's faith. It, it, it's making decisions based on the character of God rather than our fear and rather about the, th you know, the things that kind of go on in our minds. That's what faith is. And today is your invitation to step into that sort of bold, courageous kind of faith. Not because you're suddenly bold and courageous, you know, not because I give this talk and you go, wow, you know, I can do this. But because we worship a God that can do the impossible. We worship a God that has done the impossible. We worship a big God and our God is able. He's done it before and he'll do it again. That is our God.